Welcome to Electronically Yours with Martin Ware. Hello, hello, hello. It's Martin Ware here. And this is Electronically Yours, my podcast. How is everyone this week? Still surviving? Hope you're enjoying the podcast. I hope you're thinking to email me on electronicallymartin at gmail.com with ideas, comments, encouragements, discouragements, uh, jokes, outlandish theories, um, fake news. I don't care, really. Anything you want. Um, I'd just like to get some feedback so I can kind of help make this as appealing as possible to the kind of people who might want to listen to it. Uh, Today's analysis of the state of the world not changed much. I'm recording this intro before Armageddon, uh, but just before Armageddon, I think. Um, I think we've just got, just got to get rid of this government. That's what I think. And uh, I don't know how we do it. It's quite difficult. But we have to protest in some way. Uh, we can't let them get away with all this stuff that they're doing. So, um, sorry if you don't agree with my politics, but I think this current government are a bunch of shits. And they're inefficient and not very good at their jobs. And they're arrogant. And I think this is pretty much what they teach them at Eton. Um, this podcast is not just going to be about music and electronic music. It's also about creativity in general. I'm a big fan of comedy, so there'll probably be comedians, you know, from time to time on here uh, that I'm mates with. Um, and creators of all sorts, because I think... All these things kind of inform the kind of songs that I've written in the past. And, you know, we always had an element of satire with Heaven 17 and the Human League. And uh, so, yeah, we're going to have all sorts of different things coming up. You should tune in to our next one on whatever platform you're on and subscribe, please. Um, thanks to my co-creator, Chas Stuke. Um The guest that we've got this week is amazing. Graham Fellows a.k.a. Jilted John, a.k.a. John Shuttleworth, uh, one of my favourite comedians. We both went to the same school, King Edward Sen School in Sheffield. He was in a couple of years below me. I didn't know him when he was at school, but um, but he's a really very good musician. Um, he had a number one record with uh, Gordon is a Moron, which you may remember if you're old enough. If not, have a look at it on YouTube. Um, we talk about all sorts of interesting stuff in this podcast. Acting and his uh, his musicianship. He's really a very, very keen musician. I think he's kind of he wants to. He's a properly frustrated rock star, and uh, he can definitely do it. He's actually performed with us uh, on one of our B- uh, British Electric Foundation shows. He's also friends with Martin Parr, the famous uh, photographer and uh, who did a, a film with him. Um, and we got into talking about a state of touring during lockdown and how it affects mental health of the performers and all that stuff, and integrity and corporate gigs and all that stuff. Because he's created a character in John Shuttleworth, which is loved. Uh, he's got radio shows, they've done films, and he's created pretty much a... a bit like the Marvel Universe, he's got the John Shuttleworth universe, um, <clears throat> and he's very, he's very, very um, strict on, on what fits and what doesn't. And I remember when 
I performed on one of his shows. We did a version of Being Boiled where he sang some of it, believe it or not, at the London Palladium. And uh, I remember coming into uh, my dressing room and um, I said, oh, where's John? Um, oh, sorry, where's Graham? Because we just had lunch. And he came into the room dressed as John Shuttleworth and he said to me, Graham's not here anymore, Martin. It's John now. <laughs> it made me laugh so much. It was a bit terrifying. It's a bit like the, uh, it's a bit like the um, ventriloquist dummy coming to, coming to life or something. So when he's John, he's completely in character. Never breaks character, ever. Ever. And uh, so I found that very interesting. And we've been, we've remained friends since then. He keeps trying to persuade me to visit his recording studio in the Orkneys. I think it's the Orkneys. And it, uh, I said, no, you're all right. And, um, yeah, so he's going to be touring um, as Jilted John and, and Graham Fellows in the near future if this COVID bullshit ever finishes. And um, I encourage you all to go and see him. He is brilliant. Anyway, here he is, Graham Fellows. So, how have you been keeping? Well, Martin, I've been um, a little bit, um, a little bit up and down. Um, because of various domestic um, situations, uh, probably brought on brought on by COVID. Yeah. Um, and basically, I suppose my overriding emotion has been one of entrapment. Mm. I've, I've felt trapped by by the situation, not necessarily by COVID itself, but by what it's brought into my life. The fact that I can't um, um, go abroad. Go back to slavery now. Yeah. I can't go back to slavery. Well, no, you can always do that, Martin, though. It would be foolish. <laughs> um, it would be foolish to do that. But no, I've, you know, I've, 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 a lot's happened since really we last spoke, I think, to me. Um, I'm sure it has to you too. But it's like mm -hmm. I, I sold a house in Lincolnshire where I was living for quite a few years about three days after lockdown began. I was one of the very fortunate people who managed to sell my house during lockdown. And I moved to a little terraced house in Leicester, and that's where I'm speaking to you from. Um, right. And, of course, you know about Leicester, and it's... Uh, oh, of course, that was a good show. Problems. <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah. So, so you know, you guys, you know, the, the lockdown lifted, and we just carried on in Leicester for about another month. In fact, we're still... I think I don't think anyone's very clear about what the rules are now, but I have been to the pub uh, and really enjoyed <laughs> the experience of ordering a beer by um, <laughs> tapping my phone on this kind of barcode. Do, have you done that? It's exciting. Uh, I, I did it 10 minutes ago, as a matter of yeah. fact. It makes um, you feel special. It makes you feel like um, you're in some kind of Stanley Kubrick um, yeah. world where or you're being served by computers. Yeah. Brave New World, I'm thinking. It's like something, it's futuristic, but somehow very banal at the same time. It's banal, but it's benign because you get your beer at the end. Banal, benign, banal, benign. <laughs> yeah. So, 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 And also there's less people around, which I like. I, said, I don't really like people. 
Very much. I mean, um, Is that right? I was happy to. I was happy to have spoken to you using the video function, but as you've explained, it uses up too much bandwidth. Yes, um, I. I. Um, I am a member of the Groucho Club in London. I know. You bought and, your drink. Um, I did, and um, I. They wanted to get some money off me for the second, you know, when COVID happened, because uh, my, my membership was due. And I said, you can go and whistle. I love you very much. And I've been a member for 26 years, but uh, I'm not mm. paying for a club that I can't go to. <laughs> and um, so wow. I, I've been keeping an eye on how things have been developing. And uh, I've just recently rejoined. And I'm quite enjoying it because there's only normally about 10 people in there at any one time. Um, mm. So, yeah, I can, I can relate to what you're saying. Yes. Well, uh, I suppose what I would take from that is that, you know, a normal, ordinary pub for ordinary people like myself who don't belong to private members club, <laughs> clubs, it's the ordinary pub has become like a private members club. Ah! <laughs> you know, see, I don't even know what... You should have cancelled your subscription totally to Groucho. You don't need it. Just go to yeah. a pub. Yeah. Oh, you're right, mate. And then it's not full of puffs <laughs> either. Yeah. That's it. And That's I, it. You see, you know, for, for me to be a champagne socialist is a very important thing. I've got to keep my credentials up. Yeah. You know. um, yeah, you are a champagne socialist, aren't you? Um, yeah. I don't know what um, I am. I'm, I'm, I'm essentially a green, uh, a disaffected green, or a green, an app, uh, a green who doesn't put enough effort in. I mean, I've been making. I just picked up a, a film that I've been making for 10 years now, and it was languishing on a laptop. And I've, I've, it, it's uh, a film, I, was, I nearly still said the title then, but I hesitated because it's still, it's still sort of very private. And um, But anyway, I'm hoping to finish it in three months' time, and it's essentially about the journey of a, an electric car from London to uh, Orkney, where I have a little place, which you're very welcome to go to. I think I've told you that before. But it is a bit far. It is a bit far. <laughs> but um, yeah, and and I, 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 my dad is in it because I years ago we did some filming, and he's very entertaining. It. He's he's really going to be the main star of it. But he died a few years ago, and that kind of took the wind out of my sails with the project. And I um, and a hard drive sort of fell and broke, and it couldn't oh. be uh, repaired. So I lost a lot of footage. So I thought, oh, I'm gonna, you know, I've got the original footage, but I'm going to have to re recapture is the phrase i think they use and i've had to um anyway i'm going to do it all on iMovie you're an you're oh. an i iMac man aren't you i'm yeah, suspect yeah, no, i've yeah. done some stuff on iMovie yeah well it's improved i've i've got me uh, i've got a big iMac and uh, it does everything that i need you know it's it's uh, it's basic but it's it just cuts shots together you can add a voiceover and you can put a little fancy title on that's all i need and mm -hmm. I, and i it's like with We'll probably come on to music in a bit, but it's like I've tried so many different video softwares and audio softwares, and they drive me crackers. I, I sort of give each one about three hours, yeah. and then I just cry. I know. And I'll, I'll, oh, I'll always watch it. Yeah, <laughs> you watch a couple of a couple of YouTube videos with some smart-ass Ameri usually American kid who says "awesome," this awesome feature, quite a lot, <laughs> and then. You can't even see that feature on on your own setup, and you you think, oh my god, I'm just useless. <laughs> I'm just. just <laughs> can you relate to that? <laughs> yeah, I can. I think I can relate. To yeah. That. 
uh, I spent half my life registering and re-registering and forgetting passwords and all sorts. Oh, uh, yeah. Drives me fucking crackers. Um, but, but having said that, there's a piece of software I've just discovered because, like, you know, I do teaching and stuff, and um, um, they're moving a lot of this stuff online now, so you, you have to find ways of teaching that aren't involved sitting in a room with a bunch of people. Yeah, absolutely. So um, there's a piece of software called ScreenFlow where you can appear in a little box at the bottom of the screen and show mm. what's going on on your screen. So if you're teaching, like, I don't know, logic or something, or, or, or anything, oh. or if you're describing a film, it, it just records everything as you do yeah. it, which is good. I thought you might like that kind of thing. But it's well, something. I would. I would. And, in fact, I got a bit stuck with, uh, with Apple, uh, with um, my iMovie. So I rang up Apple for support, and within a few minutes, I was through to Florida to some Apple expert. <laughs> and he, I didn't have a video of him in the corner, but he was controlling my iMac with his little arrow and giving me a lot of useful information. So, uh, you know, all that's brilliant. Interesting, that, isn't it? It's yeah, crazy. yeah. But but the problem is, I, I think, the problem with all these great um, in, uh, software installations is that the idea is are always uh, clouded by geekiness and too much technology because basically the people who invent them are not really filmmakers. They're engineers, aren't they? They're they're techie guys. So so they love all that side and they don't, they're not like you and me, they just want to make music or just make a film and stitch things together. So there's always far too much to, to... capability uh, and there's too many ways to do one thing and that's what you know it's a bit like being taken out of the moment isn't it you know you you, you want to keep yeah. the, the the workflow yeah. going creative absolutely going. and and, and worry the workflow about is so important code you need yeah i mean i've always um i'm not going to swear with you martin uh, no martin, i know i'm trying to tempt you into it yeah, but, you know, uh, my fans, I, I've got a good reputation for being a non-swearer and, and doing a clean show. And um, and that sort of, I, I only swear when I'm really angry or if I've stubbed my toe or something. But, I mean, I, my tour, my John Shuttleworth tour is back on sale for uh, January because I had to stop mid-tour. Um, I've done half my dates and then, um, oh, yeah, all got pulled. Like a lot of people, like a lot of people, you know, I'm not... Uh, too, too, yeah. feeling too sorry for myself. But anyway, uh, but January, January to March is when my tour is rescheduled. And um, one came in the other day for Glasgow, and it said, "Adult content over 14s only. Anyone under 14 will not be refunded if you bought a ticket." And I went mad. I didn't swear, but I went mad and <laughs> called my agent, and he sorted it out. They always do this. They assume that comedy is rude and full of swearing. It's a family show. I do a yeah. family show, and, and that's what it says on the ad now. Absolutely. Anyone can come. I've got total admiration for your uh, for your uh, friendliness. Um, well, I remember not having seen you for years. I remember you you and Glenn seeing you sitting. Uh, you, when I was doing the sound check, I was at a theatre in Leicester Square Theatre, I think it was, and, and yeah. I saw these two... Um, I was going to say middle-aged, but that sounds a bit rude. But you, but you are sort of middle-aged, aren't you? No, no, <clears> and I didn't know who you were. I didn't <laughs> recognise you. <laughs> but it was lovely. You'd come to watch me. And then and then a few months later, you and Glenn did the most wonderful 
rendition of Dandelion and Burdock on, on my radio show. I thought it was very touching, I have to say. I think it's, you know, um, I'm very much of the opinion that um, if you do something with authenticity, yeah. it's, funny. it's funnier. I don't know what you think about that. What's your view? Well, well, of course. Um, I, I, everything I, well, I, could, I say everything I do all, is authentic. Of course, I dress up and pretend to be somebody else, which isn't, but I do it in an authentic way. So, you know, I try and draw on the truth with, with, with everything I, you know, it's all based in, based in reality. Exactly. Um, just going back to growing up, mm. what, what, what was your, um, what was your, uh, your background? Well, it was a bit like yours, Martin. I grew up in Sheffield, but, um, I didn't end up working for the co-op. Oh, we're well, not allowed to say that. You're missing out on the uh, you're missing out on the kind <laughs> of credibility there. I'm <laughs> yeah, I was very impressed that you were um, learning how to cut bacon. You're at the bacon yeah, counter at the co-op, own entire sides of bacon, and and I, that was a grim old job, I have to tell you. I, I had long yeah, hair at you, that time. I used to get I used yeah, to get you bacon could, in the air. But you could be a manager of the co-op now. I'd, if I'd have played my cards right, and you've blown I was told it, that I could have had my own branch at Gleadless Town End. Yeah, so, uh, but no, I I went to a school down the road from you, and um, I did. You know, I got into drama and table tennis, and I was sort of near the bottom of the top class. Where? Um, in, uh, what, what the name of the school? Yeah, King Edward the Seventh in Broomhill. Yeah, I went there. Oh, of course you did. But I don't remember you because you've got a couple of years on me, haven't yeah. you? Yeah, yeah. Um, and big boys didn't talk to little boys. Were you there when it was a grammar school then? Yeah, I was. Yeah, it was. Um, I look back on it now and I think it was a, It was obviously a wannabe public school and, mm. and uh, they had all the trappings, including fagging, they didn't go as far as, you know, tucking you in bed at night because obviously they couldn't. But uh, there was no kind of um, latent homosexuality or anything like that, as far as I could tell. Um, well, you wouldn't know if it was latent, Martin. Uh, well, patent. <laughs> um, and there was no kind of uh, se- sexual grooming by matron either or anything like that. No. Uh, no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But, but I, was, I was beaten twice. Yeah. And you really couldn't have found much more of an obedient um, pupil than me. I was quite shy and and respectful. I was yeah. beaten once for um, for being told to copy. Uh, the homework was uh, to being told to copy a piece of um, uh, uh, of the Bible, like a couple of chapters of the Bible, into a book. And so, I was caught copying it from my friend instead of the Bible. And for that, I think I, would, I know who I think I know who beat you. Was I it Mr. You. Baker? Yes, because he was the divinity teacher, and he was the most yeah. vicious man with the with the cane. I think he was a pervert in retrospect. Yeah, I I think uh, there was something going on latent, or not even latent. It well, was, shall, um, I tell you, shall I tell you why? Number one, he took a run up, which is not. Oh normal. yes, he did. Yeah. because he was quite no. a slight man, so he had to probably take a run up to get yeah. the necessary force. And um, secondly, he um, he insisted on nobody else witnessing it. 
Yes, I remember that, yeah. We can say all this because he's probably been dead 20 years. Is, am okay, I right? He's alive. Come at me. I'm, I'm all over it. <laughs> I'll take you to court. Martin, you've, I think you've got some issues still over this. You're not over it, are you? I, I resent it, to be honest with you. Yeah. Yeah, but um, yeah. So you remember Mr. Baker? That's interesting. Well, I know he was a scary guy. He was. Uh, he... Were you ever caned? No, I wasn't. Uh, so I must have been even sort of better than better behaved than yourself. Um, now I was I the first. Pu- I was the first pupil governor, Martin. Oh my God, you puff! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I was a prefect as well, weren't you? A what? Sorry. Were you a prefect? No, I wasn't a prefect. Um, it was a kind of consolation prize for not becoming a prefect, but it was actually cooler than being a prefect because I was more popular because oh, kids, right. uh, it, it, it was, a, I don't know if they did it for many years, but it was me or Nick Battle. Do you remember Nick Battle who yeah, played in a few bands and he, and, but I was, I don't know. He, I think it's because I've been in a couple of school plays. People just voted for me because they sort of knew who I was. And um, but really, oh, all it consisted rewind, of was rewind, rewind, rewind. What? Tell me about the school plays. What? What well, was your? Um, I I was in Billy Liar. I was in Hobson's Choice with with the great Matthew Bannister. You know from yeah, yeah Radio One. Radio One, and then he's on Radio Four. Great yeah. Lives. No, not Great Lives. Uh, the one where they've died. He could do Mr. Baker if he has died. I hope he has. Um, but yeah, no, I was in a few school plays. And anyway, I was just going to say what happened basically being a pupil governor entailed kids coming up to me and saying, Now, nah, can I get to get ties banned? <laughs> that's, that's all it was. Get rid of tie. Can't bear it. Can we, have <laughs> can we wear our blazers open? Go on. Can I wear my shirt out? That's yeah. it, all that. Yeah. And nobody yeah. really wanted anything sort of sensible um, discussing. Yeah. And to be honest, we we just sat there at a couple of meetings. Me and Fiona Young, I think, was the other one. No, no, Hilary Osgaby. And um, we we would just occasionally ask for our opinion. And we were probably, um, yeah, we just brought up the thing about the tie. And then it was met with the cold silence. So were you a superstar at uh, King Ted's then? Did everybody think you were like... Well, I suppose um, probably more than you, Martin, from the sound of things. That, that is 100% certain. I can confirm <laughs> that. I was, I, was, I was not very good at school. Oh, no, actually, I passed all the exams and stuff, but I gave up halfway through A-levels because I thought it was too... Did you? Yeah. And then went to work at the co-op, and that's where you met we Glenn, and the, the rest is history. And the rest is history. My... my um, uh, primarily because our family needed the money in those days it was tradition you know you go yeah it's time for you to pay your board you know well that's that's um but you had taken your 11 plus and and got in the hard way yeah Yeah. so i I was one of the i was a second year of comprehensive education and as you know sheffield was a bit of a forerunner a trailblazer for the comprehensive system um my sister sally was like the first year First right. year of girls, I think, at the, at the school, and uh, and I, lo- I I loved it. I did like the school and uh, a lot of sport, a lot of drama. I didn't like uh, the academic subjects, and I I got my O levels. I got three very rubbishy A levels, um, including art and general studies, and then I went to drama school in Manchester because I I'd, I'd been doing acting at school, and I, and I got a place in the Manchester Poly School of Theatre, which was the best Northern drama school. Great. That uh, some 
people like Julie Walters had gone there and uh, Richard Griffiths, Bernard Hill. Victoria Wood was notoriously turned away for being a bit too plump. Ooh. Which is terrible. That wouldn't happen now. They'd be banned for doing that. I mean, you'd just be prosecuted. <laughs> Steve Coogan went there a few years later. Yeah, no, it, it was a good good drama school. and that's. But in the first term, I got completely sidetracked by a bloody guitar sitting in the uh, canteen. This used to be an acoustic guitar, that, and I couldn't play it, but I picked it up and someone tuned it into a chord for me, and that's how I wrote Jilted John. Is that right? Crazy. Yeah. I just put my just, finger over the fifth fret and to make that riff, you know, the da 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 da. And uh, so my classical acting career that I meticulously planned, uh, it just sort of folded. And I just uh, went off to have my hit record and then came back and I didn't know what I was. Was I an actor? Was I a pop singer? But, uh, but I got a warning letter within a few weeks because we were doing Greek tragedy in the second year of the drum course and i couldn't bear it we had to wear a, a papier mache mask and uh stand completely still that's and not then, that's not you at all no it's not me <laughs> and then we had to shout um agamemnon after about 10 minutes of standing silent and i didn't like it so um but i stuck the course out and then i left and went into rep repertory theater in manchester and then liverpool I played Paul McCartney in, in London. Sorry, not ask me any questions. I'm giving you my potted history. It's just in case, in case nobody knows who I am. You know, I'm just no, no, they know who you are. I didn't know. Okay. Uh, to be honest, I wasn't fully aware until I checked uh, about uh, the depth of your acting experience before you became, you know, a char- uh, uh, mm. uh, actor of characters. I suppose I'm not going to say a character actor. Um, I wonder if, it, actually, I've just thought of something. If the Carry On films were still going on, you might have even got a job in one of them. I like to think so, yeah. I, I've just not really put myself around enough, you know. this is So, you know, I'd like to have done a lot more voices for animations and stuff like that. And I've just done a voiceover for, um, for, for, a, for a mobile phone company, not even a famous mobile company, a very lowly one that's no one's really heard of. You can say in what fact, it is. In fact, I think, well, I can't. That's advertising, surely. No, it's, I don't okay. it's, awesome. it's talk mobile. <gasps> he said it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm on, but I'm on the radio doing that. And um, but you know, why can't I get fries, chocolate delight? Why not? Um, is that is that I mean, is that the right name? Fries, a uh, Turkish delight. Yeah, Turkish delight. Or the bounty bar. Yeah, I once um, interviewed Patrick Mower, and he was so impressed me when he told me he was the voice that said they came in search of paradise oh, I love that. and found the bounty you know and that i just instantly because he was on emmerdale and i thought how far can you fall it's just it's just not realistic though is it because we all know you know in hot countries it just melt well martin you're thinking far too deeply Surely the cool sea breezes would, would keep it very <laughs> cool. Maybe they kept them underwater in the cool, cool yeah. sea. Yeah. Um, I mean, look at somebody like Matt Berry. Do you know Matt? Do you know, I don't. I know he follows me on Twitter and I've dutifully followed him back. Um, I, he is, I meant he is he funny, yeah. Me. He wanted to talk about synthesizers because, you know, he's, he's got a record contract on acid jazz. Okay. Um, he, he's a good songwriter, actually. Got a bit of a funny yeah. voice. 
Uh, well, people uh, like him and Ricky Gervais, they don't need, they just need to fart and they'll get a, a five album deal, wouldn't they? You know, it's like, it's a bit annoying. I, but, to be um, fair to him, though, <laughs> uh, he got the, he, he signed as a musician before he was ever very famous as a, as a comedian or an actor or whatever. Okay, but anyway, he does, he does uh, what, what they call it, he does uh, Money Supermarket. He does that, doesn't he? Oh, okay. I don't he's know. He's made an absolute fortune out of that, I think. But I did yeah. like Toast of London. I don't know if you've seen that. That's very Yeah, funny. Toast of London, I, I did like a lot. Um, I did like that. Um, making me think now of my ex, who you know, uh, Geraldine, who yeah. made something very similar a couple of years before. And allegedly he was at the... Um, oh, we've got to be careful now, haven't we? Yeah. I say that. You have to cut that bit out. But, you know, ideas sometimes happen um, subconsciously, don't they, you know? They do, they do. Uh, I mean, I was at, well... It's a tough one, yeah. You'll have heard of Frank Sidebottom. Yes. Yeah, because I I knew him. I knew Chris Seavey many years ago. He's sadly no longer with us. But when John Shuttleworth came along, one or two people thought, oh, have you stolen the idea of Frank Sidebottom? Um, But I think he played the guitar. But I hadn't, but... I can see there are similarities, you know, but I've had it who done came, to me myself you know, a couple of times. Sorry. Who came, who came first? Well, he came first with that character. Oh, right. um, but I, I paid for all his records at, um, <laughs> I paid for Frank really. Cause, cause his sort of manager at the time, uh, Tosh Ryan Carter, um, he, um, was all, all the money he had was from Jilted John royalties. Is that right? It is right. Ah. And I kid you know, not, Martin. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you know that John Ronson was in his band? Yes, I'm, that's when I first met John Ronson. I think he's brilliant. I love... He's funny. He's a very entertaining man, isn't he? Um, I love his books, and his audio books are even better, actually. Yeah, really... absolutely. Yeah. No, I enjoyed his podcast with, the, with Louis Theroux recently. Yes, he, he, he's... Yeah, he used to be a journalist. A, a journalist uh, when we were around in the eighties, and he wrote a kind of scathing article about us once, and I hated him. And, yeah, uh, and then but was that, it true but, though? Was it true? Was there an element of truth in it? I don't care about the truth. <laughs> oh, okay, <laughs> I just like to be flattered. Do you yeah. understand? <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, where are we? So. The Gordon is a moron thing is is was really kind of out the blue, wasn't it? It was out of the blue. Um, yes, it was a very very big hit in the summer of seventy eight, and uh, it didn't weirdly it didn't take me uh, by surprise as much as other people because I, you know, when you're eighteen, you just sort of think you can do anything, and I and I did, and you know I. I was so naive and it was the naivety that made it such a breeze in a way, which sounds yeah. weird, but you know, I just sort of went into a record shop before I'd even made a demo and said, Hey, I've, I've written a song. I want to make a demo. But do you know any punk labels? And they said, yes. The guy in the record shop said, yes, uh, there's stiff in London and always one down the road called rabid records. I said, have you got the address? Give me a bit <laughs> of paper. So I went and knocked on the door. Uh, well, actually, no, by then I did have my demo and um, I'd, it was on a bit of reel-to-reel, and I paid £25. But it should have cost me 80 quid. but my friend 
who I did it with, he said, uh, oh, it'll cost about 25 quid. So I took 25 pounds along and the guy took pity on me and, and let me have oh. the demo for 25 quid. But now, you know, it all just sort of, yeah, it was um, it was the right time, Martin. I think it'd be very hard for, for somebody to do that now. I feel sorry for, yeah. for people trying to make, uh, well, the whole thing's collected. It's just depressing, isn't it? How top of the pops has gone, and you can oh. see the seeds of where it went wrong with when Michael Hurl, is it Michael yeah. Hurl, took over yeah. the production, and, and he started having all these dancers in the foreground, obscuring the bands, and and there's a, yeah. a kind of whoop track, so that anything, yeah. even you, yourself, you know, Heaven Seventeen or on any band, you've got whoo. Yeah, woo! I hate that. I hate that. You do that and, very uh, well, by the way. It was awful. And that's what, and then, you know, such a contrast to like the 60s with Ready, Steady, yeah. Go, and where you had, you did have kids sort of dancing around, but they were playing second fiddle to the music. We were watching the band and and it was taken seriously. And it, it basically was saying, pop is not very interesting. It's a backdrop to yeah. people having a good time. So I think subliminally that sort of came into people's consciousness at the same time that music was becoming so readily available and you know free downloads or and yeah it that's why it all collapsed i can i've got a story about michael hurl actually and uh, i don't normally speak ill of the dead but he was a right twat and is I'll he dead you, as well yeah he's dead yeah okay um, go on then uh, Say what i don't want like. his family because it's not their fault but you know anyway he, he um we we were publicizing the track This Is Mine, which is a, a fantastic song that we recorded for the third Heaven uh, 17 album. Yeah, um, yeah. And it was all, you know, you can sense when things are going to be successful. It just sounded great. It had Earth, Wind & Fire horns on it. It was a well-recorded song. We were popular. The album had just done very well. We got a slot on top of the pops. And the day before, we, knew, we found out uh, that we got the slot. Glenn, I used to have this um, Yamaha Jeep, narrow narrow uh, wheelbase Jeep. It was very high off the ground, and he was pissed. And he went to the shop in his Jeep, and he tried. He got out of the uh, he got out of the Jeep, and he exploded his cartilage in his knee, and he was in extreme pain. You know, morphine, everything. Well, that's called karma because he was driving while he was drunk. <laughs> well, exactly. Um, I wasn't with him. I just heard about this. And uh, no. honest officer. And uh, I can't drive anyway. But um, anyway, so our manager said, no, you've got to go. Uh, you know, top of the pops will be really angry if you don't make an effort. So we carted him down there. He's on morphine, right? And we said, look, he can't stand up. Can he deliver it from a high high stool, you know, Valdunican style? And um, they said, no, no, no. So it made him stand up in incredible pain through through the rehearsal. After the rehearsal, he collapsed, had to be taken back to hospital to have an operation immediately. Because we couldn't fulfil being on the show, Michael Hurl said, you'll never go on top of the pops again, and we never did. Mm. And I hope Glenn didn't drive under the influence ever again either. I, I don't think I, I don't think he did. No. Not, no well, why not, do you not, not drive? Why do you not drive, Martin? Have you never felt I the need? 
you know about this, grew up in, well, you're a bit, little bit younger than me, but grew up in Sheffield uh, in a very poor family. We couldn't afford a car initially. Then when we could afford a car, the, the buses were 2p each. Yes, anyway. I remember that. <laughs> and so there was no incentive to drive in Sheffield. And then I moved down to London. And what's yeah. the bloody point in driving in central London? It's pointless. Mm. So I just never bothered, and I don't regret it at all, except when I go on holiday to Italy and places like that where I think I really like to be able to drive around the country. But, you know, I just take trains everywhere, you know. It's mm. fine. Well, that's very environmentally sensitive of you. Did I, I finish my story about the space? I can't remember. About the, um, the film, I can't remember. What film's that? Well, we didn't mention it earlier. Oh yeah, I, I was making I was making a film. Yeah, and I started. We got sidetracked by technology, but um, um, but yeah, it was all about taking an electric car up to Orkney. And um, in the end, I moved out of London because the car was in Harley Street car park, where they were promoting. You know, the, you could store it free basically, so there are no car park charges as long as you charge it up every week. And I moved back up north, and so I had to come down sometimes on the train but often i'd drive down in my petrol car to come and charge up my electric car and i thought hang on something's wrong here i'm trying to be eco-friendly and i'm <laughs> obviously not being so um and then eventually the, the battery died and i sold it on ebay to a man in holland <laughs> so it that i don't know if that bit's going in the film but it's also about my dad <clears throat> and it's about father and son relationships yeah, uh, it's called Father Earth. They have given me the title, oh, that's and nice. yeah, and it's about my son as well. Um, I wasn't seeing a lot of my son at the time, but I've just managed to film a kind of nice ending. Where, uh, well, I can't say the ending, but anyway, it's all coming together, and I'm hoping when all this bloody lockdown thing is over, <clears throat> to um, to put it out and do a little tour yeah. of my film because I've done that in the past. I when I toured. Um, I did It's Nice Up North, which was John Shuttleworth's first film. And I love that. Yeah, it's a good film, isn't it? <clears throat> filmed by, thank you, I, I say so myself, but Martin Parr filmed that, the, you know, the he's stills the photographer. He's the man. He's the man, he's the man. Um, but what I particularly loved was actually just showing it in art centres and small cinemas and then doing a little Q&A afterwards and, and then obviously selling a few copies of the DVD. And I've realised lockdown has made me realize how much i miss live performing and oh. not just the, the the income stream but but just meeting people you know oh my god graham it's it's killing me i mean yeah. we've had over 30 gigs cancelled this year so far we were meant to be touring america and germany yeah uh, as well as the uk and then we were doing the first two human league albums at the roundhouse and sheffield city hall that got cancelled oh. three days after lockdown all sellouts. I don't think touring as we know it's going to come back for quite a while. Mm. But I presume you, you've done what, what I, I'm doing, just rescheduling. Yeah. And then if that like date, a... yeah, that's all you can do. But then, of course, what's happened, I rescheduled all my dates for October, November, and then that got a bit close and they rescheduled them again for January, February. You get to next year and it could be that that's too soon. And, of course, then you're, you're just hoping that your fans will hang on to their tickets and not yeah. cash them in. I think um, most people are, are uh, I mean, the consensus is that m most people are hanging on to tickets because they realise that, that 
you know, the the thing they love most, a lot of these people, is going to see live performance, and it's all in jeopardy, all of it. Not just yeah. music, theatre, everything. Uh, it, it's all... Um, in fact, the, this isn't... I think you'll find this interesting. Um, I did a talk with Reba Yorkshire uh, a couple of weeks ago about what would bring people back into city centres. And it was it was based in, in uh, Sheffield. I, I became friends with them. And um, and one of the interesting and so I put the word out on the internet uh, uh, to our supporters and what have you, to say what would they like to see? In, you know what would bring them back into city centres? And it's pretty much reinforced what I thought, which is um, maybe things like uh, street theatres or free life performance music in centres, a lot more pedestrianisation. I sound like Alan Partridge. Oh fuck yeah. No, you know what I mean. It's it's about re regenerating the uh, the idea of public entertainment that's free. I, yeah, I, think- but I, I get very nervous about this word free because let's face it, you know, for musicians now trying to make a living from it, just about everything else is free. And if live if live becomes free and and people get used to free performances, then we have no income stream. You know, you can't make money from CDs. No, downloads you know that's it's the last yeah last i understand that i wasn't really meaning for yeah. people who established careers i mean for young people in particular who don't have you know they need a way of performing i mean you know we you can still have public performance um that's socially distanced what i'm worried about, i'll tell you what i'm worried about is indoor performance more than anything oh well, yes that's I think the problem a, i know i know um <clears throat> it's the it's the very nature of theater uh, or music where you're sitting down or even standing up is that you're crammed together mm-hmm. and and I suppose football fans are suffering the same problem but Hillsborough yeah. um, is about to reopen and they're reckoning like all football grounds, grounds it's going to be a maximum of about 20% capacity yeah I think I think it all seems a bit helpless and hopeless but you've got to have these because um, the odd, you get the odd theatre event where people are you know, three rows apart or something. And then in a way, it's probably good that these things are happening. It's just I don't particularly want to be the guinea pig. No. Um, and I don't really want to play to, like, half-empty theatre with ev- everyone with the mask on so you can't see if they're laughing. And the laughter would be muffled, Martin. <gasps> it would be muffled. <laughs> and then you might get paranoid and think that they're sort of laughing at you, that they've put their hand up to their mouth to go, <laughs> you know. I don't know. So I'm prepared to sit it out. Like scouting the audience. Oh, sorry. Um, What I was going to say is I went to Venice recently and um, in there. Yes. Are you isolating now then? No. No, you're all right. Back from Italy. Um, uh, And the, they've got the most beautiful opera house in the world in Venice, it's, it's incredible, the Fenice. It's five uh, tiers of boxes and a proscenium art stage and then uh, stores, obviously. Um, it's like a big jewel box. So what they've done for COVID now, they've reopened it, they're taking all the stall seats out, they've put some of the audience socially distanced in armchairs on the stage, and it's either one, two, or a family in each box. And it's like the capacity is down to about 20%. And it was 
it was fucking strange mm. uh, and didn't really work primarily because the acoustics have changed completely because they've taken all the stall seats out and all them big bags of water that are human beings out and it sounded really kind of echoey it sounded like giving a concert in in an ikea warehouse you know and uh, so innovative solution but didn't work unfortunately no, and I don't think it, I don't think it will, and it's probably not the answer. I think the answer is just to uh, wait for the ma- the vaccine. Yeah. Anyway, cheer, let's do something cheerful. Um, go on then. Go on then. Um, you were on Coronation Street, weren't you? Um, a long, long time ago. A long, long time ago. Uh, well, I was, uh, yeah, nineteen seventy nine. I was on the first, and that's my favourite uh, one-off performance because. It's on YouTube now as a, a clip. I think I managed to get hold of it and put it up there. But it was shot on film, of course. Um, all the exteriors yeah. for, for TV shows was, was shot on film. So it it was outside a cinema. I was meeting Gail Pl- Platt. Was she called that? Gail Platt? Then? Um, I don't know. Anyway. Um, I'm looking, Gail. But she was... It was before she met Brian. She, in fact, she just met Brian and she was going on a date and he didn't show up. And I was uh, waiting outside the cinema. My girlfriend hadn't shown up. So I asked her in. And it was just a little couple of little scenes. But when I watch it, I love it. It looks like um, Ken Loach has directed it. You know, it's got a, <laughs> a lovely chick, kitchen sink drama feel to it. And I'm um, quite proud of that one. And it should be in black and white, really. Anyway, the second time I was on, on for about two or three months, about four years later, again playing someone who fancied Gail. And I don't think the show's producers knew about the first performance, the, the first character I played. I probably kept quiet about it because I thought they wouldn't give me the job. So really, I should come back one more time, Martin. I, I, uh, I'll have a word. I'll have a word. <laughs> and um, uh, it's got to be, hasn't it? It's got to be that. You can't do EastEnders. It won't work. Well, yeah. No, but but it was a great, you know, it was the heyday of Coro, as far as I'm concerned. Hilda Rodden. I used to watch it regularly at that point. Well, everybody did. You and eight, 20 million other people. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I used to see Hilda Ogden was a very private woman. Uh, once she'd done a scene, she'd go off and work, do a fan mail in a little booth. Really? Albert Tatlock used to be teased mercilessly by Johnny Briggs about, because uh, he always wanted the, the banana from the fruit bowl and Johnny Briggs, because they bring fruit down every day while I was there in the afternoon. And uh, Johnny Briggs would hide the banana or bananas and Albert Tatlock, Jack Howarth, as we as we knew him, the yeah. actor, said, Johnny Briggs, have you stolen my bananas? <laughs> it may have, yeah. That, I, might make that my, my, I might make that my ringtone. <laughs> okay yeah but I was um, my acting career was a bit stop start because going back to what I said you know I wrote Jill to John when I was at college and I I was always a bit torn you know because I remember buying um, a TIAC 144 which I'm sure you probably had one or maybe uh, you're still too track? poor then was that a four <laughs> that was the first quarter studio <gasps> yeah. No, I I, I couldn't have. It, 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 there was oh no no Tiak that was posh mate. We we had I, I had a different I had a cheaper one than that. Or maybe I did. Maybe it was a Tiak actually. Well, the Tiak it started as Tiak and it became Tascam. So right. it was a Tiak one four four. Because and then the 
Tascam 244, and then I got the, the posh version, the 246. But anyway, that I used to be like in things like Coronation Street and other Granada TV programs, and and I'd be at my flat knowing I should be going in for the filming, and I was working on a track, trying to get 16 tracks of backing vocals onto four tracks on a little cassette player up in absolute heaven and oh. you know my, my mind wasn't quite on the job of acting and and that's kind of been my problem so to spin forward when i created john shuttleworth in 85 which is a lot earlier than people would perhaps yeah. realize because they because i only sort of emerged early 90s on the comedy circuit but i created the character in 85 and and i was um Tell me about the book. It, it was it was fantastic to be able to create a character that was acting, but also did songs and was music. So that's probably explains a why it's successful, and b why well why I love doing it because I can practice two things I like without it being a conflict. Yeah. What's the What's the first? What was your first public appearance of John Shuttleworth? Oh, it's a disaster. I think it was a working men's club in uh, Stoke on Trent. <laughs> Yeah, which sounds like a, a difficult crowd. It, it was. It was like a charity gig. So people should be nice to you doing a charity gig, shouldn't they? Just applaud, even if it was shit. But it was shit, and that's because I, I'd done a tape, an audio tape, which was quite well honed and funny, yeah. and then I'd trying to translate it into a live performance, not really having the visuals for the character yet. It just didn't translate very well. So I learned the hard way with, with John Shuttleworth, and I did quite a lot of gigs that that bombed uh and i knew that bomb when people started talking i could hear a general oh. hubbub of chatter yeah that's the worst isn't it have, have you had that martin have you had, have yeah. you had chat uh, 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 we we did um about five years ago we did uh, our agent said it is not called ken uh no. our agent um oh. Jack. <laughs> is that martin uh, hello <laughs> go on i'm listening hello, hello ken um uh Maybe Ken might be interested in taking over from our agent, actually, uh, based on this story. Anyway, he got us a gig um, at Derby Football Club. Oh, dear. Yeah. Park. And um, we said, I don't think this is a good idea. What is it? It's like an end-of-season party for the players and the staff and mm. everything. And he said, I don't really think it's... Is it just us? I said, yeah, it's just you. And, um, and they said, we'll pay We'll pay fifteen thousand pounds, and all of a sudden, wow. all my uh, all, all my reservations went away. And mm. um, so we went there. We did a we we got there in the afternoon, and we did a a, a, a sound check. <clears throat> and the warning signs were already there, really, because the 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 stage was too small. I mean, you know, we, you know about this world. You have to yeah, yeah, technical riders and everything. The stage was miles too small for us. Uh, that, and also the PA was like somebody had borrowed it from uh, a passing band. And they were gym. paying you 15K. I can't yeah. believe it. <laughs> Them, is wow. it? I mean, what a football club, you know. Um, well, obviously so, all the money went on your feet. Yeah. But so anyway, we thought, <laughs> look, whatever happens, you know, we'll, we, we always have a laugh anyway, as you know. Mm. So um, it sounded terrible. The, our uh, front of house engineer was going, oh, God, well, I can't make this PA sound any good at all. You'll just have to put up with it. It's too late to change it. So we went on. And and by the time we went on, uh, I'd say there were 
maybe 150 people in the room and they were all, their eyes were all rolling into the back of the heads and uh, none of them would stop talking. And yeah. The, PA, yeah. the PA wasn't loud enough to get over the talking. So um, we were performing, nobody even noticed whether we'd started or stopped. We might as well have been, uh, you know, a busker in the tube station. And uh, I just, I, you know, you know, I'm, I'm quite a proud person. And uh, I've only ever felt like this once before, which is when I was doing You've Lost That Loving Feeling with Phil at Bar 2 at Sheffield University. And, the, and, the, uh, and it was for a TUC um, gathering. Uh, not TUC, local, local Labour Party gathering or something. And a bloke came on stage in the middle of the most passionate part of the song and said, uh, can you get off the stage now, please? It's uh, time for a beer race. Wow. Seriously, and I just lost my mind. I said, "Who the fuck are you? We're in the middle of this." We're did you lose? Did you lose that loving feeling? You've lost that loving feeling, yeah. Did you lose it towards the audience? I lost it towards yeah. You. Um, but having said that, the beer race was quite impressive. I mean, um, you've raised an interesting subject about you know what you're talking about is a corporate gig where you're yes. offered a lot of money. Yes. I mean, I've never been offered that much. Um, I think I nearly oh, was offered not? half of that, you know, but but then I, I'm a solo performer, but only occasionally. But you don't, you have to take your view, don't you? Because if you're if you're going to, I tend not to do those corporate type things because I just don't want to look uh, come over, even just to a few people to come over a bit shit. I mean, a few years ago, I did someone's birthday party, and um, I took a lot of money off him <laughs> because. <laughs> Uh, I think his wife was quite rich and paying for it. But it's because I didn't want to bomb in front of people who I knew wouldn't perhaps get it, you know. And mm -hmm. so my my agent, you know, was very particular. He's been very protective of, of me and particularly, you know, John Shuttleworth over the years. So, you know, it was like, do I do it just as a freebie? Well, no, because no. it's got to come over well. So, and it did come over well because we insisted on a good PA, good lighting, yeah, and and a good fee, people but don't, people don't understand how important the infrastructure is around your performance. They really don't. They just think no. the, the magic happens because they're focusing on you performing. Yeah, but if you take all that infrastructure away, it really isn't very impressive. But, you know? but going back to to doing gigs for free, I think the same mentality can, uh, and the same thing can happen because people think, oh, it's free, therefore it's probably going to be a bit shit. Um, and actually, I think when you've got quite a high ticket price, um, if you're lucky enough to be able to have a following and you can charge, say, 20 quid or more for a ticket, then you almost know you're in for an easy night. Yeah. Would you agree? Because, you know, you're going to... It sounds, yeah. sounds a bit lazy, but you're going to preach mainly to the converted and then hopefully oh, no, people well, who aren't converted are going to oh. be swept along by the general euphoria in the room yeah. Whereas, yeah. you know because yeah. people audiences can be led by each other and, and and it's sort of um they can sometimes just not get something they can't see that something's good because some twats are talking at the bar and yeah. so they get you know i've had that and i never for instance i mean i know what you do is a bit different to so you, you you do loud music i do chat and sort of gentle music so i never have like a bar open in the in the auditorium it's always oh, has really? to be shut you know oh yeah yeah well, i think most comedians are the same unless they're unless they're really sweary ones who 
you know, but but my see my act requires people to kind Listen. of buy into to, yeah, to something, yeah. you know, and it's a bit more like theatre, you know. It's a have piece of theatre. Yeah, it's a piece of theatre, isn't it? Um, right. have you ever done uh butlins or any of those? <laughs> no. I have. no. I haven't. We have. They I know you have, yeah. Well. Yeah. Yeah, well, when we started doing them about 10 years ago we i we swore we'd never do it again when they first started yeah. doing the 80s weekenders things uh because i remember uh the first one we ever did is before anybody knew what to expect so you've got entire families in there with kids running around feral kids running around in front of the stage and a, and a beer hall full of monsters and uh, and no and nobody really paying much attention apart from a few people whose eyes have, again were in the back of their heads, and um, and at the end of the gig, I remember going back to the dressing room and on the dressing room wall, it had got a signed photo of the Baron Knights, and I remember to, <laughs> turning around to Glenn and said, "This is the absolute lowest point of our career, you know that," and then yeah. of course yeah. we said we'd never do it. And then the next time they doubled our fee, so we did it. And then now it's good, by the way, because they, everybody understands. A lot of people go to those weekenders who are proper music fans and want to hear the hear the songs and everything. Yeah, can I can I say for a socialist, you do seem to be quite driven by money, Martin. You mention it a lot. Yeah, Brown, um, it's because I'm fucking skinned. Okay, well, why are you skinned when I've you keep getting fifteen grand? I've got a massively expensive. Uh, family to support. Yeah, you know, but have you still got an ISA? Because I always remember when I was um, when I interviewed you on my radio Shuttleworth <laughs> show. No, sorry, lounge music. John Shuttleworth lounge music. Yeah, and you, you and Glenn, you were great guests. You were great sport. But I, you were talking about how you had a big hit with uh, Tina Turner's. Um, it was the f biggest selling twelve-inch. Yeah, that one. Yeah. In, in, yeah. Uh, in America or in the world, and I said, "As John, I said, I said, oh, but you got an Asher then." And he went, <laughs> and you just took it very seriously. He went, "Yes, I have. Yes, I've. Uh, I always get, I always get an Asher to the full limit." <laughs> and I thought, "Shall I edit this out? Because because it's making Martin sound a little bit of a breadhead and also a tiny bit of a plonker." But I kept it in, and you didn't. Uh, you didn't seem to mind. Pardon? That's fine. I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> You've got to look after your money. You? I, I'm really not driven by money at all, but I, but um, okay. it's a bloody good job because I don't. I, I, we did, to be brutally honest, we've done really, really well in the last few years. Good. And then, uh, and, and and so everything's uh, a little bit better than it was. And can I just but, say, for the record, you are a very generous man when you want to be, because I do remember the time you contacted me and said. Let's swap keyboards. Yes. And you gave me like a really expensive Korg. Is it a Korg? I've got That's it still. Right. I, I haven't played it much, but I, I fully intend to. But it was a Heaven 17 classic keyboard, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. With well, a it wonderful... Expensive for a couple of years, yeah. With a great flight case. And I, in, in return, I gave you like a 50 quid shuttle with one. <laughs> but Mine's but more it's, about, it's about the, uh, what's the word, the provenance. Yes. I mean, provenance. that keyboard I gave you had played a lot of good Shuttleworth tours. So I hope, have you played yours at all? <laughs> um, I've, uh, I've, I've tinkered with the fun sounds. Yes. Yeah. Say. yeah. Um, I did try and wrestle with the, the programming of it. 
Oh, yeah. uh, uh, I, but I think what I need to do is to download the manual uh, and get into it. Yeah, yeah. It's funny because I think it's quite a powerful machine. Oh, it is. It is. I know, yes. I, know, I know we all laugh, don't we? But, you know, it's got a lot of writing on it. It's funny. It has. Um, it's interesting. Just, again, during the lockdown, I, I've been writing a few John songs for a new CD. And um, one, one, which may be the title of the um, LP, is called, I'm not going to play it for you because I haven't finished it, but it's called Stay at Home and Protect the VHS. Do you like that, Martin? <laughs> because the VHS, you know, it's uh, it's been neglected, isn't it? People aren't using it, and and it could be stolen, you know, whatever. Anyway, but I I, I started playing it on my old my keyboard that I've always been using for the last ten, 15, no, last twenty years, twenty five yeah. years, and uh, realised that I've used up every single rhythm because um, it has a hundred rhythms. Every, yeah, I've, and, and I'm bored with it, so I've gone back to a keyboard that I used to where i started out on which is um another yamaha but it's um it what's good about it can you do if you can hear that in the background it's I got can hear it. yeah yeah it's got a sound which is absolutely it's an unbelievable sound which the other one doesn't have which is 98 musical saw that's that's really good yeah so <laughs> And it's got some really funky rhythms that are, are a little bit Heaven 17, actually. Just listen to this one, number seven. Oh, hang on. Sounds like, sounds like a fully-fledged Heaven 17 song, just minus the lead. I'll get Glenn Dare to I say, it. it even sounds slightly better than a fully-fledged <laughs> Heaven 17 song. <laughs> Well, all right, I'll give you <laughs> Well, actually, um, that, that rhythm I use for a song um, called Scenes from South Yorkshire, which I don't know if you know it, but it's got a chorus that's, uh, and pubs and clubs, the boss to crooks, and scouts and cubs and doberman pups, and woodland paths and parks and calves, a shandy bass in a lady's glass. Jarvis Cocker liked that one. He I, played that on his on Six Music a few months yeah. ago. But you like uh, that one. I don't think you've heard that. It's a very it's quite an early one. But see, I can go on stage. If I take this keyboard on stage, I can um I could probably play that one. Yeah. And it's I got the fun rhythm. I'm, I'm determined to, to get you involved in one of our shows one day. Do you recognize the fun rhythm there? I do, I do. Yeah, it's unmissable. Well, you um, did get me. You did get me involved, and uh, you were very kind. You let me come on and sing um, as Jilted John a couple of years ago. It was great fun at the uh, Forgotten the Festival. Now, oh, the the uh, rewind was it? Yeah, and I sold. I sang Friday. I'm in love, which I, I love doing that. And, Do you know uh, what? It suits, that suits yeah. your voice. It suits your your vibe. I'd Thank say. you, man. Yeah. But um, I did a yeah. I did a big tour just to you know because I do like to talk about my career a little bit. Um, I, I haven't been to Venice. You're a breadhead. I haven't played Butlins. Well, no, it's not. I'm not. I didn't make any money. I just done the jil- well. Two years ago, I did the Jilted John tour, and I lost two thousand pounds. Yeah, well done. But I paid for my band. I hired a minibus. You know, it was, and and also I fulfilled a, a kind of lifelong dream of of touring with my single, because 
after Jilted John, I went straight back to drama college, as I said, to my Greek tragedy drama class. And really, I should have gone on tour. But I didn't have a very sensible agent. And uh, he, he, th- he just, I don't know, it, it didn't happen. So uh, for the 40th anniversary in 2018, I got a band together and we went around the country and we, we did the Jilted John set. And it was, it was great. Or partly to revisit um, the album because I did an album at the time which sort of bombed called True Love Stories and it was great to revisit those songs that I'd written as a an 18 or 19 year old and perform them as as a man in his late 50s and, oh, and bounce brilliant. around the stage and I loved it I had such a good time yeah, yeah I've got to ask you a question before you go because I'm asking everybody the same question I just need to know what your favourite what you what if you could pick a couple of bands or singers, what would you pick? Oh, Martin, you've you've thrown that one at me um without warning. I know. Well that's the idea. Okay, uh, a couple of bands that will sing. Well, what's floating into my head? Um I mean I I the, the I like bands for different reasons, you know, like off the top of my head, uh you know, A C D C brilliant brilliant riveting to watch, but I can't think of any of their songs particularly. So I would say, you know, uh, I love uh, Joni Mitchell as a songwriter. Amazing. Um, but as a performer, she was a bit, you know, didn't didn't dance around much. Well, she didn't have to do that. I saw Girls Aloud on the Top of the Pops the other night, and I probably, this could be just because I fancied them, but I thought, you could see the sweat coming off them. I quite thought that was a good performance. Um <laughs> But I don't, yeah, I don't know. Uh, who else? Um, that's the good thing about watching early, you know, the reruns at the top of the pops because you yeah. can see how bands lose their edge, like the undertones, you know, Teenage Kicks. Yeah, great. And then I saw one, Here Comes the Summer, that was on yeah. recently, and they looked so bored. And I think well, it was that's just... The, before... that, that's the record company getting to them, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And Fergal Sharky, I think, shortly afterwards went off and formed um was it the academy the assembly songs the assembly yeah with um, vince with vince yeah so 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 you know i can't i'm not i'm answering your question by not by just being very vague because it changes all the time yeah me too um yeah. favorite film favorite film yeah is that what you said right um well my new film father earth Oh, I knew you were going to get a plug-in. <laughs> or one of my old ones, maybe. No, I really like... Um, okay, the, the film that I keep watching, but usually when I'm a bit drunk, with a nice bar of chocolate, is um, Sexy Beast. Do you know, so many people have said that. It's weird. Yeah. It's, it, it's I'm not, I've never seen it. I must watch it. I'll watch it tonight. Actually. It's got a lot of interesting things in it. That that you enjoy more every time you say. Another one would be a kick, the King of Comedy, Robert yeah. De Niro's finest yeah. performance, I think. Yeah, Martin Scorsese's finest moment. Um, and because there's no swearing and there's no killing. Um, yeah, I'm that's what I like. Films, yeah. yeah, and I do think you should stop swearing, Martin. It doesn't suit you. Oh, I know you think it makes you appear tough. I know. I, I need a bit of an edge, though. I'm a bit softer. Really, no, you so. don't. You've got your edge. Your edge is that you've, have I, have you've I, played I, in Butlins. You've I, played in front of Derby County football yeah, supporters. I'll tell you what, though. Um, <laughs> Butlins, 
is like Las Vegas compared to Pontins. <sighs> I bet it, it, you just Pontins yeah. Pontins made me made me want to not exist. It was so depressing. Yeah. I wish you'd asked me what your favourite TV documentary was, because I could have what? said, um, yeah. it's something called Skeg Vegas. Have you have you heard of that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. The wonderful yeah. Noel. Have you heard of Noel G? Have you worked for Noel G? No. He's a promoter from, from Skegness and Mablethorpe. He, he, he likes to, well, I'm sure he is. He's the king of the East Coast. Uh, and he and he, he manages a lot of sort of karaoke singers, and wow. and it's very retro. The wording is wonderful. It actually goes back to the origins of John Shuttleworth because I was very into spoofing that whole um, low flight entertainment. The way they say, you know, yeah, yeah. fantastic personality vocalist with with uh, oodles of personality. You know, and he and all all his ads for his acts have those cliched descriptions. You know, a little bit cheeky, uh, um, if it's a comedian, you know, yeah, a bit yeah, of a twinkle yeah. in their eye. And it's just, <laughs> but there's something kind of innocent about it. It's beautiful. And, and what he, about... Uh, and that's a great documentary about his like he, He's trying to book The Bachelors for a... <laughs> for a <laughs> um, and if you didn't ask me, that's, that's my favourite band, The Bachelors. They're the still bachelor. going. They're in their 80s. The They're brilliant. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, so TV... Final question. Well, my favourite TV show. Yeah. Uh, at the moment, and this is no doubt due to the uh, lockdown, it's made me very <laughs> bored, boring and inward looking. It's a it's Gardner's World, followed by Bullseye. <laughs> uh, reruns of Bullseye are very relaxing, I find. <laughs> Just to see the hairstyles. <laughs> oh, yeah. And the sideboards, yeah, yeah, brilliant. Well, that's, that, yeah, yeah, it's tremendous. But I don't like these hard-hitting modern dramas with with people getting killed. Yeah, I'm a bit, uh, bit of a softy, aren't I? But I guess maybe I'm making it my sort of mission just to. I I just think so much of entertainment is uh, unnecessarily garish and and in your face and violent and and hard-hitting. And I don't share that that love of it. I just mm. having said that, Sexy Beast is an extremely violent film, so that doesn't make much sense. Yeah. Uh, I think it's because it's brilliantly done. That's the difference, and it's kind of it's a psychotic. It's about a psychotic man played by Ben Kingsley, and it's well, about right. yeah, it's, oh, yeah, it is a good film. Yeah, I'm going to uh, wrap this up. Are you now? going, Martin? I'm just getting into my stride. <laughs> But you've you done two. Off? You've done three of these today. I understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't wait for another pint. Um, yeah. But well, I, you... I tell you, I'm looking forward to having a pint with you in person. Oh, please! Because it's probably eight eight years since we did that. It is not. Don't be down. Well, it might, it might be, mate. Five years, six uh, years. We've done. No, it's not. We did National Portrait Gallery no more than three or four years ago. Oh, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> talking about you madman um what was i going to say i was going to say you are my favorite comedian number one. Oh, bless you number two, thank you number two i think the world needs more of uh the kind of gentle genuine humor that you perpetrate it's a rare thing and never ever 
stop doing it. You need to continue doing this because it is your mission to cheer up the world. Oh, thanks, Martin. I feel humbled. Well, there he was. That was Graham Fellows, or was it Jilted John, or maybe even John Shuttleworth occasionally. I am big friends with him. I love him. Yeah, it's been a little bit up and down because of domestic situations and kind of feelings a little bit trapped, I think, um, as he mentioned. He's currently working on a film about his father. He wants to put it out next year and he's going to do a tour uh, to get a kind of lecture tour with the film as well. And, um, yeah, I'm just such a fan of uh, John Shuttleworth. I think he's one of the most hilarious creations, right up there with Alan Partridge. Interestingly enough, they both were competing for the same... Uh, Perrier Prize in the, well, I can't remember what year it was, and um, I remember John telling me the story that uh, Steve Coogan just won by one vote, and he was a bit pissed off. Anyway, um, don't forget to email me with your ideas, comments, uh, chip for a chat even, uh, on electronicallymartin at gmail.com. Um, I'm going to be releasing quite a few of these quite quickly, these podcasts. So please subscribe and you will get alerted when the next one is out. Um, Thank you for listening. I really appreciate our growing audience. Um, I won't waste your time. These are all going to be good podcasts. It's all juicy stuff. So I'm going to finish with today's synth noodle. And it's my second favourite synth and my most favouritest uh, polyphonic synth, the Roland Jupiter 4. Take it away, Martin.